Good evening. Now, the Lord has an interesting way of doing things. And uh, this is almost part two to pass the sermon. I got a bit nervous when he was preaching this morning. Like, oh, getting a bit close there, Pastor. <laughs> um, the title for tonight's sermon is Pass It On. Uh, this month's theme for our church is Being a Good Steward of Jesus Christ. Now, many times when we think of taking care of things, being as a steward, as Pastor spoke about, God has um, given to us things that we need to invest for the future. But tonight we are not necessarily going to look at the physical things that God has given to us, but maybe more the intellectual things, the abilities that we can't physically see. And God has given us great abilities that aren't necessarily all physical things that we can hold in our hands. And we need to also look to pass them on. If you could please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. I'll read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 28. We will look tonight of being good stewards not just based what's around us, but also the talents and using them to the maximum when we live. But not only when we live, but when we have gone. God has given us things, and they are not just meant to be used during our lifetime. So as you can imagine, this has an element of discipleship, passing it on. <clears throat> discipleship, I believe, is one of the most valuable steps of stewardship because you're looking beyond whatever you have, beyond your lifetime from whenever you live. You're not putting yourself the centre of whatever you've been given because you're entrusting it to someone else. So let's read from Matthew chapter 25 and I'll read from verse 14 to 28. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought forth, uh, brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. 
he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawn. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have, have not strawn. Thou ought therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him, which hath ten talents. Let's commit this service to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the abilities and the talents and the gifts that you have given to us. Lord, I ask as I bring forth your word that you would give me your strength through your Holy Spirit to convey the message I believe that you have given to us. Pray that each one of us may be able to learn and grow from this and also apply this word. So I commit these things to you now. Amen. The first point I would like to mention tonight is, to be a good steward, we must first realise what God has given to us. In verse 15, each one of them were given different amounts of talents. One had five, one had two, one had one. But you don't really see the value in what you've been given unless you know how much it's really worth. For example, when I show you this $50 note, you know the value of it. You could go shopping either at Coles, Woolworths or even Audi where you might get a bit more value for your money. And you know how much this is going to buy you. And sometimes you might even, if you're married, you might turn to your spouse and like, you could have got a better deal on that one. But when we have been given gifts and abilities, we need to know firstly the value of them. If we don't value what's been given to us, how are we ever going to really use it? <clears throat> I look at the servant that had five talents. How was he going to wisely know how to trade his five talents for another five talents if he had any, any idea the value of each one of the talents that he had? He could have traded them and then, in a sense, got fool's gold. Didn't exactly get what was the correct value. 
Sometimes you can have a bookshelf and you can have many books on there. But most of the books don't really mean any value to you because you haven't really looked at them or even read them. But if you've read them and you regularly use them, they can have great value to you. A way to sometimes learn of the skills or the abilities that we have that we may not know is when you're looking for another job and you might write a resume and you might think, how am I going to show them how that I can be valuable? And you have to really think hard. What, what, what skills, what abilities, what, what things do I have? This sometimes helps you to realise what God has given you. And maybe the question might be, are, are you using those not only in the workforce, but are you using those things for, for God's glory as well? Anyone that has children naturally picks up abilities that um, they might not even realise. Constantly coordinating people to get in the car and be ready for church. Feeding them, keeping to a schedule. There's things that I will have to learn. <laughs> so there are abilities that God has given to us. And we need to look to discover what God has given to us. Know the value that they are. The next point that I have is we need to be thankful what God has given to us and focusing on using it. If we are looking to use the abilities and the talents that we have, we need not to necessarily use them for our own benefit. We need to have a humble attitude if we're looking to be a good steward. If you are the one-talent person, there's no need to try and trade like the five-talent person. It doesn't necessarily have um, those skills. And sometimes you may try to match up to other people and say, well, they can do it and I'm going to try and be as good as them. But you weren't designed to do what they do and you're probably just going to burn yourself out and you're not going to have as much, um, be as effective as what you could be or what God has designed you for. <clears throat> now, summer's coming up and sometimes it comes to mind that it's time to work out. But as you get older, you sometimes work out and you think, oh, really pulled a muscle here. Well, maybe because you're going too hard too soon. It's important to know our limitations. Now, that does not mean it's a bad thing, the limits that we have. It just means that we understand who we are, what we're designed for and what God has made us to do. This makes me think of Saul. He was a man that had great opportunity, great potential, but he didn't really realise what he had. And he most certainly wasn't thankful for what God had given to him. He was more focused on what he didn't have rather than using all the resources that God had given to him. He was greatly offended in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7 to 8, where it says, And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his, ten th and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. But what can he have more but the kingdom? 
Saul wasn't thinking, oh, this is great. I can only get a 1,000, but I have got someone that is willing and not trying to take over my responsibilities, and he will take 10,000. <clears throat> I can do more things with this man that is willing to serve alongside me, David. David never really under... In his, with Saul, he never tried to assert himself. He just said, is there a man? And then he went after Goliath. He even went to Saul first. He didn't just go out and do it in his own strength. He submitted himself. But Saul felt insecure. He wasn't thankful for what God had given him. He instead thought, well, you know, I don't have what that other person has. And so I'm going to minimise that person. As I once remember a message from Pastor Fisher, he called it crabs in a bucket. Because if you ever go fishing and you try, well not fishing, but if you ever try to get crabs, as long as you've got two in a bucket, you know that they are not going anywhere. Because they are always going to pull each other down. And the more crabs that you have in that bucket, They'll just keep trying to pull each other's leg down because they just want to do it, only get up there themselves. That's an illustration that if we try to compare ourselves, we're not going to have as great value. We just need to do our part. We shouldn't compare ourselves like Saul. The Bible even says so. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise we need to stop focusing on others and start focusing on god i don't know how much you follow sport but there's a common saying within football um, not so much soccer, but keep your eyes on the ball. Don't look at the player. Keep your eyes on the ball. And that's the same. As Christians, we need to look to God, keep our focus, seeing what he has for us. Instead of looking at the other people, oh, I don't know if I have the same amount of talents as that other person. Just continue on. Keep, keep working hard. Work consistently. Work faithfully. As Pastor mentioned earlier this morning, be content with what you do. Stewardship is a thing of humility. You can't be a good steward if it's all about you because stewardship is looking after something for someone else, not for yourself. Jesus was a good steward. He was a good steward of salvation. He did the will of the Father. God entrusted him to die upon the cross to pay for our sins. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, it says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He realised what God had for him to do, and he was willing to do it. He was willing to do have that sacrifice. He was not looking for his own gain. He could have popularity for years to come. In Matthew chapter 4, we think of the popularity that Satan tempted him with, but he wasn't interested. He was interested 
in doing the will of the Father. Sometimes you may be discouraged because you know you've got great abilities, you've done great things for the Lord in the past, but the stage of life you're at at the moment doesn't really give you the opportunity to do some of the things that you used to do. And I know this is probably not true for um, a few guys here tonight because you're here, but if you were stuck in bed and you might think, well, what can I do? I, I, I have all this knowledge and these abilities, but what could I do? Well, if you look at most teenagers and young adults, you'd be surprised how much they get up to by not moving very much. And sometimes it might even make you a little bit fearful. But there are different things you can do no matter the season of life you're in. Because you might not be able to do the same thing as what you've done before, but that doesn't mean you can't do something that you haven't done. You may be able to understand what it's like because you're at the same stage of life as someone else. You're able to encourage them. Some of the people that pray the most are generally some of the more elderly people. They understand the struggles that younger people go through. They have the time. There's many things that we can do when we feel that we have time and we've all experienced that through COVID. But one of the challenging things that I felt personally through COVID is what am I doing with my time? And my wife probably thought, well, you probably need to be at home more. <laughs> so I was out quite a lot working. <laughs> but it is a challenge when we don't exactly have the abilities that we once had to be able to still use those. My third point is we must be faithful in the talents that God has given to us. In verse 16 and verse 17 it says, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 16 to 17, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. In order to pass on whatever God has given you, you've got to be faithful. Firstly, we mentioned about you've got to know the value. You've got to know what you have been given. And then you've got to be thankful with whatever God's given you and use it to its great ability. But if you're not faithful in using what God has given to you, how are you going to be able to pass that on? We can see in the scriptures that the servants that both had the five and the two, they were, they were busy. The, the servant that had the two wasn't looking at the person who had five. He just got on and just did his business. He didn't worry about whatever was going on. He just went and just became faithful. He just did what he was given. Sometimes we can think of the story of the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise wasn't necessarily looking at the hare. Well, he might have at the start, but then he couldn't see him anymore. So he just kept step by step and he kept going and sometimes people that may have many different abilities they just oh they think oh i've done it i can make it and they just keep going on and on and then they're like you know what i've done enough i'm probably going to win I'm, I'm probably going to do okay as the hare thought and they just back off but if we're faithful and we're consistent we're able to reach over time i mean we don't know what would take place 
when we were uh, at Outreach yesterday, sort of made me think, you could be someone that gave 500 tracks out at Outreach. And you're like, oh, you know, I've done, done these great things. But then you don't see them for the next month. But if you had someone that was just consistent and just gave a little bit each time, they would have the same value, but their witness would mean more because of their being faithful. There's no point trying to be a talented pianist and hoping to play at the MBF, but then by the time you're 30, you don't even touch the piano. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> you know, God's given you an ability and it's important to consistently use it. If you're going to pass it on, people need to see that it really means something to you. And, you. and you've got to be able to show how important it is. It's important that we're faithful. There's the song that says, May the Lord find us faithful. It doesn't say, Lord, see our results. May the Lord find us faithful. Our labours are for the Lord, not necessarily for our resume. Elijah was faithful in his ministry. He was faithful to God and being a witness for many years. He passed on the mantle to Elisha though. Moses was faithful in ministering for the Lord. In fact, he was faithful for decades. It took him four decades to get trained and he continued his ministry for four decades onward. But he didn't base it around himself. He passed it on to Joshua. We don't know but maybe the servant with the one talent tried to trade like the two and the five, but it seemed to be a bit hard. And maybe that's what made him frustrated because it appears that when he responds to the Lord that he wasn't very happy. In verse 24, he says, The one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown. Now, sometimes we get frustrated when we try something and it doesn't seem to go our way. We don't know. Maybe, maybe he did try, maybe he didn't. But it's important that we don't necessarily give up if it doesn't exactly go our way. The next point that I have is look faithfully to pass it on. God's last command to the disciples is in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. And this is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And we read in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God wants us to teach others, and that teaching would be discipling. That's what the word means in Greek. Teaching is not just necessarily just giving a lecture and just hoping. Discipling, having them model it having them then do it and then try. <clears throat> One of the um, pedagogies or philosophies or teaching strategies, however you want to call it, in, um, that I learn is I do, we do, you do. And the idea of doing that when you're teaching is that you explain what you're doing, 
then we do it together and then you go do it, so then you should be able to do it by yourself. And as a Christian, if we are not hoping and actively looking to pass it on for someone else, then eventually it's going to go out. It's, it's, it's not going to continue on. Some of the most successful businesses are those that train people so that the boss doesn't have to do all the work. You make more money when you train all your workers rather than being a sole trader and trying to do everything yourself. Do you appreciate the role or the knowledge that God has imparted to you? Are you looking to be a steward beyond you? Are you a, <clears throat> a Timothy? Do you appreciate the years of training that his mother and his grandmother gave him? In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6, When I call to remembrance the unfailed faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. Paul was encouraging Timothy, you've been given so much. It's important that you continue on. And we know in the next chapter, Paul tells him, commit thou to faithful men. He doesn't say just, you've been given these great things, you need to be faithful, you need to get out there. He says you need to look beyond yourself. You need to look to pass that on and not just to keep it for yourself. When I was at home, on Saturday mornings, it was my job to generally unpack the dishwasher on Saturday morning. Now, this was sometimes a hard task because everyone was generally asleep, and Dad used to really emphasise on being quiet. Now, if anyone, if you've tried to unpack a dishwasher and try to do it very quiet, it's not easy, especially when you're either taking out the cutlery or you're taking out the plates and they clang together or the bowls and it's not easy. But sometimes it was hard going to do that job. I didn't have to do it many times in the week because at that time I was working. So Saturday was the one that was given to me because it's probably one of the days that I wouldn't be working. But one of the things that was ne not necessarily hard and uh, not necessarily easy was not necessarily taking out the plates and un undoing the dishwasher and trying to do it quietly, is that always seemed to be ready for a long conversation on a Saturday morning because everyone else was asleep and I was the only one up. I mean, I want to get up so I could do my job and, you know, move on with the day and sometimes I'd have all these plans while I was thinking to do and sometimes I'm like, I don't even know why I bother. <laughs> but it was valuable because in those mornings, though it may be two hours Dad would talk with me and it was almost like he was trying to disciple me. And sometimes I felt like I was maybe Solomon and David, which was my dad, giving me all this knowledge and just parting on some of the things that he knew. Now, if anyone, if any of you know my dad, he loves to train. He was born to train. If you're stuck in the room, he'll be training you to do something. <laughs> And that's a, that's a good thing. 
but sometimes if you're around him all the time, <laughs> it gets a bit like, we've done this, we know what we're doing. <laughs> but it's important to value training. It's important to continue to look for someone to train. If we don't value something and we're not happy with it, we're not going to let it exist. It's going to cease. It's not going to work anymore. If people didn't value the gospel, we wouldn't be here today. There's some religions that have continued on but then have died and they're not here anymore. Why? Because they were not valued. We can be thankful that God has promised his word is going to continue on. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth, to heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise from the law, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Praise God for those people that sacrifice their lives for our Bible. Praise the Lord for people like Tyndale and Wycliffe that d decided to die, that us as English-speaking people can read this word of God in our language and we don't have to learn Latin. We can just read the word of God. They saw what they had, the ability, the knowledge that they had was not to just stay within their time. They wanted to allow people to understand the word of God. They weren't like Innocent III, Pope Innocent III, that said, no, only the parishioners, only the, the priests. They knew the power of passing it on. Are you being faithful in serving, looking for people to pass on the abilities and the skills that God has given to you? Discipleship is not a task, it is a lifestyle. A task is completed in an action. You do the job, you move on. But a lifestyle is like a habit. It's something that continues on. <clears throat> you can have a diet, lose weight, it's great. But if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, well, you just might go back to the bubble that you were before. It's important to have that consistency, not just to spurt in a moment. And to understand what the scripture means by lifestyle, I think of James chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is a wise man and endured with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Conversation means a lifestyle. Let his lifestyle, let what he does continually be a testament to you, to show you. Let it not just be words, but actually in actions. You can see it. This makes me think of my Bible reading this morning uh, with the devotion in First Chronicles chapter 28. When David wanted to build the temple, but God said, I'm sorry, you've, you've got too much blood, you've done too much of uh, you know, conquering the land, which is good, it's good, but probably prefer you don't build the temple. Well, he didn't say I, didn't, I don't prefer, he said you're not to build the temple. And 
David could have said, well, I've done all I can, that's it. I've done what God has me to do, move on. But David didn't do that. He was so focused on it continuing on the next generation. He valued the, the, the vision of having a temple, a place where God was no longer intense, so much so that he made sure he got all the materials ready. It even says that he got ready the priests, the Levites, got them trained, ready to go. He had the plans. He even got the site where the temple was to be built. He wasn't just thinking in my lifetime. He didn't do a Hezekiah and say, well, the judgment's not for when I'm alive, so I don't care. He's like, I have a vision. This is important. I know the value of this, and I'm going to make sure that it goes beyond my days. He valued the talents God gave him. He was thankful for the role that God had for him. And he was faithful in doing what God gave to him. And he was actively looking to pass it on to the next generation. Lastly, discipleship will not happen successfully unless you see the goal more important than yourself. Jesus being God, didn't look at his disciples and think, these guys really let me down, you know. I ask him to go get some fish and some, some loaves and they come back and they're like, oh, this is too hard. And then, and then I have Peter, you know, I'll go with you and I'll die with you. And then he, and he denies me three times and he doesn't want to be seen and I don't really know if I can trust these guys. But God didn't necessarily say, you know what? They are not the same as me, so I'm going to pass on them. I will just have to keep on doing it. I will have to keep being the Sunday school teacher or I will have to keep being the person that plays the piano because no one can do it as good as me and so I can't trust anyone. I'm not going to let them do it because they're going to make a mistake. Jesus didn't have that desire. He had the desire to continually train them. You might have slipped up, but guess what? You can get up and you can keep on going. Peter, don't be discouraged that you haven't done it. Don't be discouraged that you made a mistake. Get up and keep on going. God's last command, as we read in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, was to teach others also. And that's why discipleship requires humility because it's not about us. We're being a steward for God, not for ourselves. Successful businesses sometimes will have a code of practice. And the reason why they have that is because they are looking for their employers to be able to continue things on. The boss does not want to come in and show you how to do it. The boss doesn't want to have to go to every single job. He wants you to be competent in doing what you can do because he knows the job is more important than himself. If he was to do all the different jobs, (laughs) he wouldn't be able to do it. And sometimes that makes us think of looking beyond ourselves. How many of you have seen a KFC? Of course, not all in Australia. What do you mean? 
Um, but you think about it. Colonel Sanders had a recipe for chicken. And his family could have enjoyed it. His friends could have enjoyed it. But he looked beyond himself. He goes, you know what? This product, I'm going to put it around America. But not only around America, then it went into other places. We think, that we think of Acts 1.8 into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. That's pretty much where KFC is. <laughs> but do we sometimes think that what God has given to us, whether it be little or much, could go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world? We've prayed for our missionary, Alex Halawadi. He didn't necessarily go to Paraguay as a young man. But he's been able to establish, well, when he came here, he showed us of seven churches that he's been able to establish and pass on. And the investment that he's put into Paraguay is continuing beyond his years. He's at a point now where his heart's not really working too well. He's had a heart attack. Now, he's alive, but there's no way he can do what he used to do. But he has invested in the next generation. They might not be the same as him, but it's going to continue on. What are we passing on to the next generation? How are we passing on what God has given to us? Do we see the talents that God has given to us bigger than us? Are you humble enough to let someone else do it? Or are you, act, are you actively looking to pass on the baton, no matter how it looks, for the sake of the future? I'll just tell one last story before we close. This sometimes makes me think of when I was finishing up plumbing. Because I was virtually the only, I was one of the main people that was given the digging jobs and <laughs> I mean it wasn't it wasn't you know desirable yes I'll get the shovel <laughs> I want to keep those muscles bigger than anyone else no <laughs> probably get a broken back instead um, but there was a point where I was consistently doing it and sometimes I would get a little bit frustrated when some other of the workers would do it because they didn't really care as much and didn't put in as much effort. And sometimes I got a little bit annoyed. And although it was a hard job to cut the concrete, dig it up, generally about a metre deep, fix it up and then move on, I sometimes struggled to have other people do it because I knew they didn't really care. But there came to a point where I, I realised that God didn't want me to be digging holes for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that I need to move beyond that. And that meant that I needed to more so encourage the person I was working with to know how to do it and encourage them to do it as best they could. But be satisfied that it's not the same as what I would have done. And then also realise that when I started, I wasn't doing it as well 
as what the boss really wanted. I had to change, I had to learn, but I wasn't exactly. And then I had to be happy to move on. Sometimes that can be hard when we're good at something to, to move on, but it's important that we pass on what we have been given. Do you realise the value of what God has given you? Are you thankful for what God has given you? Are you faithful in using the talents that God has given you? Are you looking faithfully to pass it on? Discipleship is not a task, it's a lifestyle. Discipleship will not be successful unless you see the goal more important than yourself. Let's pray.